You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? I am Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowden of Bleeding Green Nation, EGN Radio, episode number 156. The Eagles are bad, Brandon. How are you? Jimmy, you couldn't have said it more accurately, succinctly, better. The Eagles are bad. I am here. I proposed to you doing a podcast episode this week where we didn't even talk about the team because <laughs> who cares? I, honestly, I wrote about this on BleedingGreenNation.com after the game, Jimmy. I was like, this team doesn't deserve anyone's outrage. They deserve your apathy. And now I say that as someone who isn't and shouldn't be saying that because I want you, the listener, to, <laughs> to come to Bleeding Green Nation to check out Philly Voice, to see Jimmy's work, to check out BGN Radio here. But uh, I can't blame you if you're checked out. With that said, go to RighteousFallon.com and get yourself <laughs> some craft jerky while you're uh, dealing with your depression and use discount code BGN15 for 15% off. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of, like, when you make that apathy point. It reminds me, like, mid to late in the 2012 season, which was, of course, Andy Reid's last year. The apathy really set in that year. Because the year before, you had the Dream Team. You know, expectations were heightened a little bit because they closed out that 2011 season. Like, you know, they they had they won a bunch of games at the end of that year. There was renewed hope that maybe all these players that kind of came together a year under their belt with the team would kind of put it together, and then they didn't, and they just kept losing and losing and losing. And it got, like, it really turned from anger from the fan base to apathy really quick, and I think that's really what ultimately put uh, Jeffrey Lurie over the edge and, and you know, firing Andy Reid. But anyway, we're not quite there yet, I don't think. So maybe in the future we'll... Uh, have an episode like that but uh, they have a five game stretch upcoming that is really hard we'll get to that in a little bit we'll talk a little bit about Eagles Giants uh, if you feel like reliving that mess we'll get to the NFC East picks but first let's get to the news and biggest thing uh, news wise is that the injury report is really thinning out so there are only two guys that um, was it just two with that, that that didn't practice at all I know like I guess, actually I guess there were four like Fletcher Cox and and uh, Jason Peters didn't practice, but they were scheduled days off. Who are the other two? Um, Rudy Ford and Sean, Sean Bradley Sean due Bradley. to illness. Okay. So uh, the good news is that the injury report is thinning out. The bad <laughs> news, there's n- it's, not, it's not an excuse for failure anymore. So, like, they're, they're not really all that banged up anymore. They still have a few guys on injured reserve. They're going to get Zach Ertz back soon because he's they activated the 21-day practice window on him. Uh, I don't know if anyone really, really even cares about that at this point, but their injury report is actually, I mean, the injury report itself isn't bad, but then you look at the guys on IR and there just really aren't that many there. You got Brandon Brooks, of course, you got Andre Dillard, you got Deshaun Jackson still, 
but they're, they're, I mean, it's really, they're really not that banged up of a football team anymore. Yeah. And kind of like I was saying, going into last week's game, like, okay, you can look at that as a point for optimism, but you could also look at that and be like, they were 0-2-1 to start the year when they were relatively <laughs> healthier and they had yes. a number of these guys. So it's like, it's not like, you know, injuries are the only reason they're bad. And I think, I guess it's a good thing though. You know, if you're looking at this from like the injury excuse can't be used, this can't be used to to deflect blame off of those who deserve blame here. Uh, I guess it's a positive in that sense. Yeah, I mean, I, heading into the, the game last week, you're getting Lane Johnson back, you're getting Miles Sanders back, uh, you're getting Alshon Jeffrey back. So there was some thinking that you know the return of these players would maybe give the offense a little bit of juice, maybe a little bit of a different look, and it just wasn't there. In fact, like you get this performance out of Carson Wentz where. You know, he doesn't turn the ball over, he doesn't fumble, he doesn't throw any interceptions or anything like that. But and he kind of plays sort of, quote-unquote, within the scheme or the system or whatever whatever you want to call it. And the results just weren't there. It just looked a little bit different than it has looked uh, the rest of the season when they've been turning the ball over like crazy. But they just, I mean, the, the, side, the, the alternate effect of that is that they didn't make any plays. Like, the offense didn't make any plays at all. They're over 9 on third down. Just a truly dreadful offensive performance of the offense was the worst of the three phases of the game in terms of offense defense special teams uh but uh, certainly the the offense was was the worst defense didn't play well early uh special teams was garbage throughout the entirety of that game uh so it was really just sort of an earned loss to a very bad team on all three fronts yeah i think a lot of people you know and we do it too we we talk about who's most to blame and that's a very (laughs) sports radio to do that but the reality is this team stinks, and everyone deserves blame. Yes. Uh, like every level, like from in terms of not just in terms of the game itself, from offense, defense, special teams, but then also like the foundational pieces here stink. The front office stinks. The quarterback he stinks. Uh, Doug Peterson he's had multiple bad games right or, or in a row right now, and he stinks right now. So it's all bad. That's the reality of it, <laughs> and it's it's depressing. You know, you look at. 0 for 9 on third down. Really? Against the NFL's 26th ranked third down defense? Like, like, really? Like, you're going to be that poor on third down? Like, you're coming out of the bye week and you can't convert a third down? Like, what are we doing here? You score 17 points. It's pathetic. Uh, And then the defense, Jimmy, I mean, the Giants ranked second to last in offensive points per game heading into last week. 17.2, only ahead of the Jets. You have 27. (laughs) <laughs> to Daniel Jones for for the first time in his career, Jimmy Daniel Jones did not either fumble the ball or throw an interception in a single game against Jim Schwartz's defense mm-hmm. with the Eagles. Like it's just it's it's pathetic, man. And then even just from like an in like from an individual player standpoint, how many of these guys are I guess exceeding expectations? Like heading into the season, you had a certain expectation of of a player. How many have like played above that level? Brandon, Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham. That's I mean, it. Travis Fulgham. Maybe Nate Herbig. Nasty Nate. Maybe Jordan Mailata. Sure. I mean, Darius Slay better have played like the way he's played, but like I think there were maybe some doubts that he would. Uh, but he's mm-hmm. been he's been maybe a little better than some people anticipated. So you but got like what off. six players at that, and even, like you even Slay is kind of a stretch. Like, well, I mean, this past game, he's coming off his worst game. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but of, he's overall, he's been good, though. Jo- Josh sure. Sweat is another one who's a legit good player now, at least in terms of mm. the role that he is has. He though? Yeah, I think so. I, I, as as a rotational pass rusher, I think he's. I don't. 
I don't think he's had a, a, a sack or a quarterback hit in his last five games. It's been a while since he's made an impact. I'll agree with that for sure. But then you look at the number of players that have not lived up to expectations, and you can triple that number. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, it's everyone. Yeah, it's just – and like you said, it's it's structurally, it's coaching staff, it's front office, it's individual players. It's just and, – and, of course, the quarterback is, is the big one. But across the board, they've just really underachieved to an extreme degree. And I put this out like um, – I don't have it pulled up in front of me here right now. But, like, the, the, the teams that they've actually beaten – like the quarterbacks that they've actually, oh, I got it here. The quarterbacks that yeah. they've actually beaten. So they've 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 twelve wins since the start of the twenty nineteen season, and seven of them are against the following quarterbacks: Case Keenum, Luke Falk, Mitchell Trubisky, Eli Manning, Dwayne Haskins, Nick Mullins, Ben DiNucci. So like more than half of those wins have come against quarterbacks that aren't starters in the NFL. They take away those easy wins, and they're they're five twelve and one. It feels right too. Like at what point in the since the 2019 season, like did you really feel great about this team? Obviously, week one last year, you know, although you know they started out poorly, yeah, and they had to come back to beat Washington. But you know, for in terms of like lasting optimism, like when was that? And that's why it was crazy to me when you know i got the sense that this organization thought like everything is fine or things are trending in the right direction it's like are, are we not living in the same reality it's right. like no one feels good about this operation like a lot of people well you know fans are going to talk themselves into things and i will never blame them for doing that you know everyone wants to be optimistic you don't you want to give yourself a chance you don't want to be like well you know we're heading into the season everything's going to be terrible I, so i get that you know there's a lot of optimists out there uh, and I'm not trying to, to criticize those people as much as, you know, the organization to have that mindset that everything is fine and not actually realize how bad they are. That's that's what frustrates me. And, and that's what makes me want to check out, Jimmy. Like when I see that kind of attitude, I feel like there's no there's not going to be changes. I feel like, well, I mean, obviously there are going to be changes if it's a disappointing season. But will they be meaningful? Will they be as significant as they should be? Because to this point, they haven't been. I, I just really wonder, like, OK, we all believe Howie Roseman is going to be back. Great. The, the front office would have been terrible. So he's going to make more of those, and we're going to do another season of that. Doug Peterson, I have the feeling, you know, he's the least secure, and that's frustrating because I feel like pinning all the blame on him would be just really unfair. But also, uh, maybe he's back and, in, 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 like, where they take away his play calling. And then Carson Wentz. Like, Carson Wentz can't go anywhere because of his contract, basically. And he's terrible right now. And, and really... You know, ever since the concussion last year, and I, I wonder if that's still bothering him. I don't know that, but I, I kind of wonder. A question like, that I've gotten recently, actually. Yeah, and I, I, don't have, I don't have an answer to it, obviously, but it's been a question right. that a lot of people are asking. So, but those are your your foundational pieces, and I just don't know, like where the optimism optimism is with them. There's some delusion last year, or evidence of delusion last year, in the changes that they didn't make. Although there was some recognition that the offense, you know, wasn't performing at the level that it should have been. At the end of uh, last year, of course, they fire uh, Mike Rowe and they fire Carson Walsh, which, you know, Doug wanted to keep those guys as we saw. But, but that's significant. That's like that, that process, like, <laughs> yes. is part of the part of like the, the problem here. Yeah, but at least at least Jeffrey Laurie seemed to recognize that those guys just weren't getting the job done at their at their respective jobs. So those right. guys got let go. But that wasn't enough. And then also the the um, 
the antidote wasn't or the the fix to the problem wasn't to just add like seven more offensive coaches to throw to the mix like that wasn't it so that that was part of the delusion in my opinion too where just enough wasn't done to sort of fix the what was really just a stagnant boring ass offense the last two years and then this year of course everything is kind of cratered so it'll be interesting to see sort of how Jeffrey Lurie views this season as a whole and sort of where he places the blame uh, going forward. Because, again, like you said, it's it's everywhere across the roster. I thought, like, the one question that was really good uh, earlier this year was um, how uh, uh, Doug would define the identity of the offense. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to read the response real quick here. So he he said, I would define the identity as using the strength uh, number one, you've got to go. Uh, you've got to go off the strength, I think, of your quarterback, and then you build your plans around that. So obviously, the identity you want to be able to run the football, play action pass, the QB movements, and then um, as Les mentioned, I guess earlier in that press conference, the screen game. You've got to mix in the screens effectively in your system. You want to be physical up front. That goes without saying. You want to be dominant there, control the line of scrimmage, all that, and that's where the run game comes in. But I think you're seeing that you've uh, seeing the identity a little bit kind of rear its head up in these games, <laughs> and then it goes back down because we haven't been as successful on first down, been in too many second and longs and third and long situations, which gets you out of who you are a little bit as an offense. Those are things that we have to focus on, continue to work at, and go in each game with a mindset with that mindset and and that confidence level. Now, if you'll recall, when he got asked that question, there was like a big sigh <laughs> before he got yeah. going. Like he kind of went like. <laughs> like you had to think about it and then the answer is bad like first of all he really comes back to this we're not good enough on first down stuff far mm-hmm. too often like that's not it's not an ex- like i don't think he's using it as, as an excuse but your, your offense shouldn't just be good because you're good on first down it's a big part of it of course but like answer why you're not good on first down then too so like, right. but all the things that he mentioned as far as like what he wants, what he, like the identity of his, of his football team, quarterback's been bad, uh, able to run the football. They actually have run the football, but he won't do it. Uh, play mm-hmm. action pass, uh, ineffective because teams don't believe they're going to run the ball a lot. The QB movements, he has not gotten Carson Wentz out of the pocket as much as he should have. In fact, Jeff McLean asked him about that, uh, I believe on Wednesday and Doug even admitted, yeah, we got to get him out of the pocket a little bit more. Um, the screen game has been absolutely horrid like not even like it's not even like not effective it's been like outright bad i mean like teams see it coming and it's never even there it's not even like they're even completing these screen passes like they there's always just a defensive lineman covering up the the running back almost immediately and carson Wentz either has to try to make some foolish running play out of it or he's got to throw it out of bounds or throw it out the feet or whatever but the screen game has been absolutely awful which you know maybe you can blame on sort of the lack of continuity along the offensive line but I think uh, the bigger issue there is just that it's not a very organized offense right now, which you kind of need to have a good screen game. And you want to be physical up front. They certainly haven't been that, really. I mean, at times when they've got the running game going, okay, fine. But I think for the most point, for the most part, like their their offensive line, I mean, you have the injuries and stuff there too, so maybe you blame that a little bit. But th- like that, that has traditionally been like the one aspect of the team that you can count on for them to be good, and they just haven't been good this year. So really, the like all the things that he named – after like not initially like not being sure how to answer the question, but everything he named has been really bad this year. So yeah, that's not great. I mean, like who could have seen this coming? The Eagles not <laughs> hiring an offensive coordinator 
like doing just like the simple basic thing like the expected thing that everyone wanted and it not working out not that like maybe you do that and everything is fixed with that move but my point here is i think a, a common theme throughout like the coaching staff decision there you just highlighted getting ready to grow and, and bringing in the new guys um and then even through the front office moves a common like tread tre- thread line trend line one of those whatever a common theme is that common trend like, i think it's fine okay there, there's hubris here like it's just like they think they know so much more than they know i like, think they, that's they fair don't they don't realize how much they don't know and, and it's just like yeah you know we'll, we'll sign a third defensive tackle to a ton of money <laughs> even though we already have two uh yeah we don't need we don't need deandre hopkins or stefan diggs or an established wide receiver we'll just rely on the draft even though we've never really hit on that position ever under howie roseman that's fine like there's there's so much arrogance here, and it's like it's in a way, you know, it's like winning the Super Bowl like undid all the humbling that I think moving Howie Roseman out of the front office when Chip Kelly came in. Like, it's like it directly undid all that. It's like, oh yeah, actually, I knew what I was doing all along, <laughs> and I didn't yeah. need to be humbled. I think like, that's just, fair. Yeah, you look at all that. You look at the coaching staff moves. It's like, oh, we don't need to hire off the coordinator. We'll just hire like seven other guys and and have this weird setup. It's like, what are you doing? Like, just do the simple, expected, basic thing. Sometimes I hate to say that because like that's so draft like Jalen so, Hurts in the second round. That's what. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, what are you doing? Like, don't don't overthink it. Like they, I think they just overthink it so much. And I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if that comes from a point of like we just want to look so much smarter than everyone else. It's like. And I and again I hate to say that because I think sometimes you have to make daring moves in sports and be aggressive. And I think to the Eagles' credit, when they had Doug Peterson, you know, be like more aggressive than any other head coach in 2017, mm-hmm. that was smart. Yeah, and that and that helped, and that helped them win a Super Bowl. So there's you know there's a time for ingenuity, but it seems like they take it too far, and they and it seems like they don't really know what they're doing. It's like they think they know, but they don't. I think that's all fair, Jimmy. I want to tell you, sit right there, Jimmy. Well, I tell you about. <laughs> First of all, the SB Nation NFL show, because I'm doing that again with Rob Stats Guerrera. Uh, you can check that out. We do the off-day debrief podcast. It's fun. We get to talk about national landscape. I talk about the Eagles on there a little bit, but we also talk about the other shows. And to make a point here, Jimmy, there's so many other fun teams out there in the NFL. And it's like, I'm jealous. I get jealous. I yeah. look at the Miami Dolphins. And, like, they're awesome, man. Like, how could you not like the Dolphins? Like, and specifically, I talked about on the show this week how, like, the Dolphins are, uh, like, they were honest with themselves. They're like, hey, we're irrelevant. We need to tear this thing down, and then we can take a couple steps back, or take a step back to go a couple steps forward. And that's what they did. And now they're going to be in the playoffs, probably. They might win the AFC East, and they might have, like, a top five pick, because the Texans are terrible. Yes. So, I just wish the Eagles would be honest with themselves, is my point. So, check that out. Uh, go rate, review, subscribe. Uh, you guys have been doing a good job with that. But also, check out Righteous Felon Craft Jerky by going to rightsofselling.com and using discount code BGN15. They have a bunch of great meat snacks, non-meat snacks, gear, everything. They're they're a local-based company, Westchester, PA. They have a bunch of different flavors, OG Hickory, Victoria's B.I.G., Abanero Escobar, Voodoo Chili, uh, so many good ones. The, they have the, the Falco Pone Turkey Jerky. Again, rightsofselling.com, discount code BGN15 at checkout to get 15% off. Jimmy, back after this. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 156. Uh, What next, Jimmy? Uh, Yeah, so first of all, let's get to, uh, I guess, the upcoming schedule. Because it really does get brutal (laughs) over the next five weeks. So uh, this upcoming week, of course, they're in Cleveland. Uh, Then they come home and they face the team that that just owns their soul uh, in the Seahawks. 
Then they play in Green Bay. Then they have the other team that owns their soul at home uh, in the Saints. And then they play in Arizona against the Kyler Murray-led Cardinals. Uh, then they wrap it up against uh, two NFC East opponents, uh, first in Dallas and then at home against the football team. So very quickly, let's just run through. Give me win-loss predictions at Browns. I think they win. You What? Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get to we'll that. Get into we'll, it. we'll get to that at that segment. Yep. Uh, Seahawks. Loss. I have, I have a loss at the Browns, by the way. So uh, you have lost Seahawks. Loss. Uh, at Packers. Loss. Loss. Saints. Loss. Loss. At Cardinals. Although, yes. you know, Jameis Winston might be starting instead of Drew Brees. We'll see. But that it might not matter. matter. They're still going to lose At Cardinals. Loss. Loss. At Cowboys. I mean, it's not a win. I mean, it's not a lock that they win, but <laughs> I'll say win. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there. That's a, that one could get dicey because, I don't know, we'll see how they play going forward, the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just had their bye. I expect them to not be, to continue to not be good as the season goes down. But um, I don't know. Anyway, they might not we'll be as big of a joke. Like, you know, Garrett Gilbert through one game at least, and we'll see if he reverts. He's but not, like, he looked... so Dalton's coming back this week. Okay. So well, even if. down again. But I, so like, did you watch that full game? Uh, the Steelers the, game? Yeah, the, the Garrett Gilbert game, yeah. No. Because like the announcers all throughout that whole game are like, this Garrett Gilbert, he's really, uh, he's really showing something here. He was terrible. <laughs> he didn't play well. Like, I'm like, are these people watching the same game? Like, I guess he was okay early in the game. And that's better than Danucci, though. That gave him that built him equity throughout the course of the rest of the game. But he wasn't good in that game. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I was like, what are you looking at? I think it was Aikman and uh, and uh, Buck, Buck for that game. And then football team, week 17. Uh, week 17. What do you got there? I'm going to say loss. Yeah. Okay. I got to win on that one. Okay. So it's a very brutal stretch. Uh, I, I mean, if they win this week, as you think they will, that's, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that would be a, I saw on Twitter, is it Brian Burke from ESPN yeah. puts out like the, the win or the, uh, the playoff leverage probability. Yeah. Leverage. Like if they win, it's such and such percent likelihood. If they lose, it's whatever. I think the Eagles differential was like, it was around 25%. I want to say it was 24%. Wow. So if they win this game. They add 25% likelihood of making the playoffs if they lose. And it's, that's weird against, like, an AFC team at that. But I think the difference here is that, like, really any win at all for an NFC East team is, like, three wins. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, if they win two more games, they win two more games the rest of the year, just two more, they get the 5-10. and 10, And then that requires... All the rest of the teams, well, I mean, it requires the Giants to win, to win, um, what are they, three? It requires them to win three more games. And they have, what, six games left? So they got to play 500 ball the rest of the way. And then the, the football team and the Cowboys would each, you know, either one of those teams would have to win four more games. And that's not going to happen. So, like, the Eagles' magic number from their perspective is really just kind of like win two more games. Shouldn't mm-hmm. be that hard. Oh, my God. I don't know if you can hear this kitten or not. No. Oh. There he is. I'll put him up to the microphone. What's wrong, Aww. buddy? Do we have What's a name wrong? for him? Yeah, it's AJ. AJ. Yeah. AJ Feely. Yeah. Well, it's uh, uh, it's Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Her, her father's name was Albert. He passed away. My father's name was James. He passed away. Uh, so we mixed those two together, AJ. So we named our cat. I mean, we named this cat after... Uh, uh, 
You did that. Away, or, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, the crude way of putting it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I thought we'd play a game here this week. Uh, we'll call it the the uh, Wheel of Front Office. we got to come up with a better name for this, but for now, we'll just call it the Wheel of, um, I don't know, Bad front office decision making. We can where... solicit ideas. <laughs> yeah, we'll take ideas for that. Listener Hash- ideas. What should, we, should we hashtag that one? Hashtag BGN wheel. Okay, that's good. And we need a, the wheel of what? And basically what, what we'll do is we'll spin the wheel. The wheel will tell us which positional group uh, we have to you know show how the front office has screwed up that positional group over the last few years. And uh, anyway, let's just, let's just spin the wheel. It's wide receiver. Oh. <laughs> I think we got to find a wheel that doesn't take 14 seconds to run. Uh, anyway, wide receiver. So that's a fun one to get started on, and that wasn't already predetermined, I promise. Um, <laughs> first of all, we should mention, I won't call him friend of the pod, but friend of me and friend of you, uh, Shio Kapadia put out a, uh, we can call him friend of the pod, I guess. Yeah, why, why wouldn't you? Yeah, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Secret beef here? I don't know. <laughs> no, I just don't, I guess I don't know what friend of the pod means. Like, mm. he hasn't been, like, a guest on the pod, or as far as I know. But he's a friend of both you and I, so I guess he's a friend of the pod. We'll call him friend of the pod. Okay. He put out a great piece. Was it yesterday? We're recording yeah. this on, uh, on the Thursday athletic. morning, by the way. But uh, on Wednesday on the Athletic Shield, put out a good piece where he just really hammered the Eagles on a bunch of different stuff. And one of the one of the categories was uh, the wide receiver group. But, they, I mean, the Eagles have just made mistake after mistake after mistake. And it's easy to point out, like... They should have drafted this guy instead of that guy. Like, I don't really like doing that so much, except with the Eagles. Like, there were very clear players that I thought, like, were more talented than the player that they eventually wound up with. And, like, it was plain to see by sort of, like, like not just people like me or you that cover the team or, like, national guys that sort of evaluate, um, you know, or put out, like, draft grades and, 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 you know, sort of rank receivers or whatever position like those guys, you know, could clearly see that this player was better than that player uh, or like guys in free agency that were, you know, clearly better fits at the time. Like no hindsight needed is where I'm going with this. So like you look at, I mean, it's easy to just point to, uh, let's just take turns. Should we, in fact, let's, let's do it this way. Let's do, and we're just going on the fly here. Let's just do a draft of the worst, wide receiver moves that the Eagles have made in the last since 2018 will go. Okay. Okay. You want the first pick? Yeah. Alshon okay. Jeffrey <laughs> giving him the guaranteed year for no reason. Ah, that, was, that would have been number one on my board. Yeah. <laughs> it's a disaster. They basically flushed $10 million down the toilet is what they did. And, and basically subsequent handling of him through that I'm counting in there, you know, like keeping yes. him on the roster all this season this year, just so for no good reason at all, burning a roster spot. Yes, for sure. I mean, like, he did, he played his first game week ten. He could have mm-hmm. gone on pop and been not and not counted toward a roster spot for the first six weeks of the season. So instead, you like there's that's one less roster spot that you have for maybe a younger player who might contribute, might not, but maybe you have him for the future, whatever. But really, just the, the to, and like the 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 redone deal that they did with him. Really only saved him like a million, two million bucks or something like that. But the downside was that he might not be a good player anymore. And you're guaranteeing now 10 million of his, of his money. It's basically, like I said, they just flushed $10 million down the toilet that they really mm-hmm. could use. And of course, 
they're heading into a 2021 offseason where they are really going to be cap strapped. All right, so my turn. Uh, this I'll take snake draft. Uh, yeah, okay, we'll snake it. I will take the layup here, and I'll go drafting JJ Ortega Whiteside over DK Metcalf. Uh, yep. Pretty kind of story. I don't think we need to go too deep into that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, number. I will. I'll, I will add on that. Yes. When a team makes a decision like that, <clears throat> is it so unthinkable that they messed up? Another a wide receiver evaluation. Like it's so funny to me. We'll get to this other thing I'm referring to, but yes, make your next pick. With my third pick, I won't go draft again here. I'll go uh, relying on Deshaun Jackson to mm-hmm. stay healthy. But I can't believe they did this <laughs> during the 2020 yeah. season. There were plenty of other wide receivers available on the open market uh, that they could have gone with. Uh, they could have signed Robbie Anderson, of course who actually lasted in free agency like into April, I believe. So he was just sitting there like waiting for some team to sign. I think he signed like it was like ten million or something like that with the Panthers. Two years, twenty. Two years twenty, yeah. So ten million. I think we talked about this on the last pod actually. Um but yeah, Robbie Anderson was there. He could have gone other directions. Rashad Perryman maybe not as successful with the Jets, but probably would be somewhere else. He was another option. But instead they go back to Deshaun knowing full well that he's not going to make it through a season healthy, and right away he goes down. Week th- was it week three against the Bengals, or was it week two Rams? I don't remember. Doesn't who cares? Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. He's gone quickly. Comes back, gets hurt again. And he's out again. Maybe for the season, we'll see. But um, uh, clearly, a, a player that they should not have relied on going into the twenty twenty season. And it's important to remember that, like the Eagles gave Deshaun an extension after trading for him. It's not like they just because the trade was, you know, they barely gave up anything. You know, yes. they swapped late round picks, but they gave him an extension that almost made it like a free agent signing at that point. Deshaun Jackson has been available for twelve percent of the Eagles' offensive snaps. At least he was at the time of injured reserve. I haven't even factored it in now of what he could have been available for. So, but on the time he went in IR earlier this year, he's only available for twelve percent of the offensive snaps. Uh, possible to him since returning to Philly. Uh, also, he quoted Hitler. So, yeah, not <laughs> great. Um, pretty bad. In a, in, in a positive way, he quoted Hitler. <laughs> yes, of course. You can quote Hitler as long as you're saying Hitler's a, a, a jerk. I'm, I'm not. I'm staying away from that one, Jimmy. <laughs> um, yeah, you probably should just stay away from Hitler. Uh, just yeah, no completely. Hitler. We're anti-Hitler no, on this podcast. No, no Hitler. That's, that's a that's a stance we have. Um, okay, so those are your two picks. Totally agree. Yeah, Robbie Anderson. Um, thought that made a lot of sense. They showed interest in him pri- pri- prior to what to the Golden Tate trade. Like he was on their radar before. Yes. Like he was. It wasn't like this guy was like some unknown about guy. Like he was on their radar, and they just said nope. Uh, so yeah, it's that stupid. And I want to say, Jimmy, that my pick next here is the Jalen Rager slash Justin Jefferson dynamic because okay. I wrote an article about this uh, on BleedingGreenNation.com. You can go check it out. A lot of people are mad. And angry every time I feel like I bring up Justin Jefferson because, quote, Jalen Rager is good. Well, is he, though? Because we don't really know that so far. And look, I'm not going to say I'm down on Jalen Rager because I'm not. I'm not giving up on him. Saw some good things in training camp. You know, he obviously made some plays or a play down the field in week one. But it's not just about, like, Jalen Rager being okay or fine. Like, there's opportunity costs here. I don't think people understand that. Like, people, the way people talk, like, they, you have to measure it of what you could have had. The Jalen Rager pick isn't made in a vacuum. And when you look at how well Justin Jefferson has done, I mean, he's the top wide receiver in terms of football outsiders metrics, DVOA and DYAR. Uh, he ranks second overall by Pro Football Focus. He has 400-plus yards in nine games this year. He looks awesome. 
There's like nothing he can't do, basically. This idea that he was only a slot receiver was ridiculous. This isn't just hindsight analysis. Like you were saying, Jimmy, earlier, this wasn't that. We both said that Justin Jefferson made so much sense for this team. Like maybe he wasn't the perfect fit in terms of a, a mold, but like why did fit matter so much? Because the Eagles had so much, they had nothing at wide receiver. Like they didn't need a perfect fit. They needed a very good wide receiver, and they passed on getting one who had a really good profile to make you believe this was like a safe, this is a safe of a pick that you could have gotten at number 21. It was was such a good bet. If you made this bet and Justin Jefferson turned out to be a bust, like, I feel like you would still feel good about the decision-making process because you'd be like, there were so many things that pointed to him being good that like, okay, he didn't work out. Well, that stinks, but, uh. But with Rager, I think there was more risk. I mean, look, I want to revisit this tweet from Daniel Jeremiah, who Howie Roseman wanted to hire, as he reported back in yes. the day, to, to be his like, top personnel chief, the, the job that Joe Douglas got. <laughs> um, Der- Daniel Jeremiah said after the draft, the Eagles really wanted speed. Rager provides that. I just couldn't pass up my 14th rated player, Justin Jefferson, <laughs> for my 56th player, Jalen Rager. It'll be fascinating to follow both of their careers. That's basically the most critical you're ever going to see Daniel Jeremiah be yes. uh, of the Eagles front office. So, and then there's that video too of like the Vikings just like like incredulous as they <laughs> yes. see Jalen Rager go off the board before Justin Jefferson. Then they're like, "Get the pick in, get the pick in!" Like, <laughs> yes. like it's like like the Eagles did it. They don't even wait for any offers; just just run it up to the to the podium. Yeah, it's to crazy. the virtual podium. I, it's but it's even crazier to me. In the context of like, well, first of all, this idea like that uh, Jefferson like wouldn't be having success here or whatever, like that's garbage to me. And like the idea that Rager is definitely good. Like we didn't just watch Howard Roseman draft J.J. Arthega Whiteside over D.K. Metcalf. Like it's impossible that they made the, the, the right choice or the wrong choice. And then the last thing on this, because I'm getting long winded, but I think it's even more like terrible that they passed on Jefferson uh, to get Rager at this point because they put all their eggs in the basket at getting that number one or getting like that answer at wide receiver at 21. Like you just said, they didn't sign anyone in free agency. They didn't add a DeAndre Hopkins like they could have. Like they put all their eggs in the basket, all this stock into getting to nailing that number 21 pick. And mm-hmm. they did not nail that number one 20 right, pick at least right. so far. So I remember from my perspective, watching the draft unfold, um, the team that you really had to worry about, in my opinion, at because I, I like I had them taking Jefferson if if he made it down to them. And I, the team that I thought they had to worry about was the Raiders, who were picking nineteenth, but they took Rugs. They had two. They had two first round picks, like in the in the in the first twenty picks. So they took Rugs with the twelfth overall pick, and then at nineteen, like they weren't going to take a, a wide receiver at that point. So I actually thought the Eagles might try to trade up into that pick, but to, to get ahead of Jacksonville which badly needed wide receiver help too at 20. Uh, and then they didn't trade out. They didn't do that. So I thought, okay, well, he's probably going to go here at 20, Jefferson, that is. And then they took uh, that LSU pass rusher, uh, Chason, Kalevon uh, mm. Chason. So I was like, all right, well, here it is. Here's Jefferson. So like, I'm like, I'm like, like I'm like furiously typing up my Eagles take Jefferson pick. <laughs> and then, like, it comes across the screen, Rager, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Because I, like, I had all ready to go and fire it off, you know, publish the article. So I had to, like, delete everything and start over with uh, with uh, Jalen Rager. I couldn't believe they didn't take Jefferson. And the explanation that was given on it was that, you know, uh, speedy outside lane receivers are harder to find than these high-volume slot types, which mm-hmm. is what they thought uh, Justin Jefferson was 
So they not only like they didn't. This wasn't a situation where they got an evaluation wrong in terms of like the harder stuff, like the player's mentality, like an Andre Dillard, for example. I think there's questions about you know uh, can he make it. Like there's no question about his athletic ability. There's questions about his mentality and can he make it in the NFL. Uh, so that's harder to do. But the the actual player evaluation is the easy part. And this is a guy like from LSU. <laughs> this isn't some like small school guy or like some like D two player that's a little bit maybe harder to evaluate. This is a, this is a, as easy an evaluation as you can probably find. National uh, champion, yeah, national championship team. Like it's it, it should have been a very easy evaluation for them because I I even like I, like I'm not I'm no expert, but I I could see that like he could play on the outside. Like he wasn't just solely a slot receiver. Did he have more success in the slot than he did on the outside when he was only like 19 years old? Sure. Of course he did. But like he could still do both. And he's tearing up the league now, as you mentioned. So I thought that was just a a total like Jefferson. I even think that they thought Jefferson was the better player, but they just sort of focused in on that one really nice attribute that Rager has, which is speed. And I think as a result... They messed up that pick. This goes back to the overthinking things, Jimmy. Like, (laughs) Justin Jefferson right now ranks uh, second in the NFL, tied with DK Metcalf, funny enough, (laughs) at 18.3 yards per reception. Like, he's plenty enough of a big play threat. He absolutely, (laughs) he ranks fourth in in 6.6 yards after catch per reception. Wouldn't that be nice? Someone on on the Eagles can actually catch the ball and then take off with it? Like, he could have been everything they needed. Obviously, they didn't take him, so whatever. He's not coming back. <laughs> yes. What's done is done. But like, I think it's absolutely fair to compare these two. Like, I've seen so much pushback on the Rager thing. Like, you or you can't. It's early in his career. You can't say I'm not writing him off again. But like, it is absolutely relevant that Jefferson is looking great and and Rager is not. And I I don't mean to like harp on this on Rager's part. Like, I think he's like he seems like a good young king kid from what I know. He's only 21 years old. Uh, seems like he works hard. He wants to get better. Like, I'm not, you know, questioning any of that. But, like, you have to look at this, and it's a huge indictment of the front office. So, I guess, is that our, our only picks here? He's, uh, no, I have, an, I, have an, I have two more picks. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll use my snake. Um, well, I guess anyway, I uh, too. He's already getting asked about Justin Jefferson, which, in my opinion, it's a little, a little too soon for that. Like, we can, you and I can talk about it, and, like, fans can talk about it. And Sure. Uh, you know, we can compare those two players because that's just what sports is. But a little early to start asking this guy about another player that was drafted right after him. We're only ten ga- nine games into his career, uh, many of which he has been out with an injury. So I thought that was maybe a little bit unfair to the kid to do that. He already deleted his Twitter account, which uh, I think is actually good for him to do. To sort of maybe block out some of the uh, outside noise and, and just focus on what he has to do to be a good player. Uh, but it's uh, he's already feeling sort of what I would call the difficulty of playing in this market where he wouldn't maybe be experiencing the same level of uh, pressure and uh, heightened expectations in a lot of other cities. So I think anyway. I have another pick. Sorry, go, uh, go ahead. Keep the, let's keep going. Uh, I mean, I, I'm supposed to, but I don't even know what I'm going to pick at this point. Um, oh, is it your pick? No, you already took your two picks, didn't you? No, I, I just took the one. Oh, okay. I took Jefferson. Oh, I guess I can loop uh, not trading for an established wide receiver in there, like DeAndre Hopkins mm-hmm. or Stephon Diggs. I kind of talked about that in there, so I'll just I'll, I'll loop that in. Let's finish up with your two picks. So I, I only have one more since you took D. Hop, one, but uh, I'm going to say maybe I don't know, 
don't know if this is a stretch or not, but exercising the fifth-year option on Nelson Aguilar. Sure. I mean, you paid him, what was it? Was it nine million or is it nine point four million? million, baby? Okay, nine and a half million to to get uh, that one last season, a bad season uh, out of Nelson Aguilar, very bad season out of Nelson Aguilar, who, by the way, uh, is doing some nice things for the Raiders now. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's I don't know if he still is, but prior to this, prior to week ten, anyway, he was averaging over twenty yards per catch. <laughs> he has a he has a nice handful of touchdowns and big plays. Uh, so it's just. Uh, that, that when other players go somewhere else and have success, uh, nothing excites uh, Eagles fans more than to <laughs> than to point that out. And there's some good examples of that this year with uh, Aguilar. I haven't really followed super closely what Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas have done uh, in Jacksonville and Carolina, respectively. Uh, I don't know, like I, like I haven't watched them actually play, but I know that they've both made some plays along the way. So mm-hmm. the Eagles are uh, they've they've been getting uh, hammered on on Aguilar and, and those two corners a little bit this year. All right, Jimmy, why don't we take a break here? <laughs> Kristen Rocha, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours. Kristen Rocha, Roach Real Tours. She's the greatest. Eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. Eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. Christmas. Buy a house, you cowards. <laughs> Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio one fifty six for our final segment, Jimmy. It's time once again for. Our NFC East picks. <laughs> Still don't have a drop for that, so I just made one of my own. Looking at the records here, Jimmy, I gained. Let's on talk about the Giants week. first before we get to the line. Can we discuss Joe Judge and Mark Colombo? Well, we can get into that in that game. Okay. Well, they don't have a game this week. They have a bye. Uh, well, yeah. We'll, we'll just let me read through this and we'll get into. Okay. It. So, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, shut up, Jimmy. Right, anyway, uh, I'm 14 <laughs> and 15. I gained some ground on you. Uh, you're 15 and 14, so we've been kind of close here all the season. This is NFC East picks against the spread. What I notably moved Pure ahead of you mediocrity in, in on those records is uh, Eagles straight up picks. I am now six and three. You are four, four and one. So I gained some ground because I had the Giants Dude, winning last trouble. week. All right, so uh, now let's get into the Giants since the Eagles just lost to them, and uh, this is the team they just lost to. The team that you're about to talk about right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean they reportedly, well, I guess initially reportedly. Well, first of all, before we get to the reportedly, they fi- Joe Judge fired Mark Colombo, who is their offensive line coach. Um, then, reportedly, it was they got into a fist fight, and Judge, Joe Judge fired him because of that. Then a bunch of Giants reporters came out. This is, cl- I mean, you can tell from their wording; it's all clearly coming from the team that there was no fist fight, but there was some kind of like heated back and forth. Uh, I guess uh, Joe Judge had earlier in the week or the week before brought in. Uh, the former Patriots offensive line coach. I'd never know how to pronounce his name. It starts with a D. It's a super Italian name, but he's well-respected around the league. He was with the Patriots for a super long time. And Colombo did not like uh, having that added offensive line influence uh, in, in the building. Uh, it was maybe a little bit miffed that Joe Judge himself had sort of, um, I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Sort of uh, was involving himself a little bit too much in uh, O-line. So, like, so Joe Judge, I, I talked to some Giants beat reporters before the game uh, on Sunday. Nice. And 
<laughs> I mean, there's just other people in the press box, like before the like <laughs> flex. Screw you, man! What's not a flex? Anyway, <laughs> uh, they were like they they got this crazy. Joe Judge wanted to implement this like weird, I guess, rotation along their offensive line where like three or four different offensive tackles would play in the game. Um, and then like three or four different interior offensive linemen would kind of shuttle in and out of the game, which never actually, like I was actually looking for that during the game. Cause I was going to, I was, you know, hopeful to make fun of it if it didn't work, you know, like, and uh, they never did it like that, that, that never transpired. So I wonder if, you know, sort of their uh, fight was a result of partly because of that, Again, like I said, reportedly it was because he brought in sort of this offensive line consultant as well. But it looks to me like that a fight actually happened. Like <laughs> the way that you see like some of these texts from uh, Giants reporters and national reporters, like the way that they worded, it still kind of sounds like some kind of fight happened. So my takeaway on this like is the Eagles just got dominated by this by this garbage, <laughs> like weird team that uh, doesn't have their stuff together, in my opinion, either on the field. Or off of it, even though they're playing a little bit better recently. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for the, for the Eagles to have gotten dominated by this team that like reportedly getting into fistfights with their with their coaching staff is uh, not a good sign. Yeah, definitely a sign of a healthy franchise to get dominated <laughs> by that team. Yes. <laughs> Let's get into our picks for this week. We'll yes. Start with the football team, the one and a half point favorites against the Bengals yeah uh it's a tough one because the Bengals are bad um Mm -hmm. but I had the Bengals winning this game outright because I think in my picks I pointed out that the Bengals haven't won a road game since I think it was week four of 2018 of course they tied the Eagles this year so that's the best they've done on the road uh in that span but it's been a long time since they've won uh a road game now meanwhile you have this uh, garbage NFC East that we've uh, sort of talked about all year. I think they're now two eighteen and one against teams outside of their own division. Uh, the football team is zero and five in those such games. So something's got to give there. Either the NFC, either the football team is going to win a game outside their division, or the Bengals are finally going to win a road game. And from my perspective, I just can't bet on anything NFC East right now. So I took the Bengals. I think that's fair, but I'm going to take the football team in part okay. because that Bengals offensive line is bad, and I think I still think the Washington defense is good, or at least it's, it's a solid unit at the very worst. And Alex Smith did some things <laughs> to get to get the uh, Washington back into the game last week. Yes. Um, so whatever, it doesn't matter. Who cares? The world's going to end. I'm going to take <laughs> the football team one and a half, basically a pick them anyway. Uh, next up, we have the right Cowboys. Ahead. Keep, keep it rolling. The Dallas Football Cowboys at the uh, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Vikings have just won what four in a row, I think, or so, three or four in a row now. They were uh, one and five. So yeah, what are they? Three, three in a row. I think they're four and five. Yeah, so they won three in a row. Uh, Vikings are seven point favorites against those Cowboys. Yeah. Um. So the Cowboys have some things going for them, I guess. In that, like I said earlier in the podcast, they're coming off their bye. They're going to get Andy Dalton back. So they have that long rest. And then you have the Vikings uh, who are, you know, they're going to be playing this game on short rest because uh, they played Monday night. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I just can't get past the fact that the Cowboys are horrible and the Vikings are actually, like you mentioned, they got the three game winning streak. They're playing a little better. And uh, I expect 
Uh, well, first of all, they're they're in. I think Mike Zimmer is in full on like job preservation mode. Mm-hmm. So he is just going to run the living crap out of Dalvin Cook as he's done all year. Dalvin Cook is either he's either first or second in the NFL in, in rushing yards, uh, despite missing a little bit of time. But uh, they're just going to hammer the run against this soft Cowboys defense, and I think that's the only formula they need to win this game. Yeah, and and, Justin, and, and and cover that, and I think Justin Jefferson is going to go off. Okay, on the Cowboys, so I will. Stephon take... Diggs is is going to be out. He, they just added him to IR. Yep. So in addition to their poor run defense, they are going to be depleted in their secondary as well. Not Stephon Diggs, uh, Trayvon Diggs. Sorry. Yep, knew who you meant. Um, you got confused because they were playing the Vikings. That's uh, <laughs> exactly yeah. So we're both taking the Vikings minus seven there. But then, Jimmy, it's time to get into the Eagles game this week. The Eagles, the Philadelphia football Eagles are what here? I lost it. They, oh, this, yeah, the that's last right. line just, I saw was three. Yeah, they're standard three-point underdogs. The Browns are favored by three. What do you have in this one in terms of both the spread and then the score prediction? So I know some people think that the Browns are maybe a little overrated based on their six and like they're not they're not as good as their six and three record would indicate. And if you yes. look at their point differential, there's an argument to be made for that because they're minus twenty eight, which you don't see often for a team that's six and three. The Eagles and are minus twenty. Eagles are minus yep. twenty nine. So yep. like the Browns are only one point better on point differential. But when you actually look at their games, like they got blown out in week one against. I'm not sure if that was the Ravens. Ravens game or the Steelers game, but it was one of those two. And then they got blown. I think you're right. It was the Ravens. And then later, week well, six week, Steelers. Week four, okay, yeah, uh, they they got they got beaten by 31, I believe, by the Steelers. They beat by 32 in one of those games, and they could beat by 31 in mm-hmm. one of those games. So they they've had two really awful games. But you know, and you don't forget about those games. But if you do set those two two games aside, they're a legitimate. They look like a legitimate playoff contender, in my opinion. I didn't realize how good their offensive line is until I really yeah. started to dig in on them a little bit this week. And not only good, but like super athletic. Like every one of those five players across the board has, like I posted all their spider charts and the five matchups to watch and whatever. And they're all very impressive athletes. So it's probably, I mean, even Fletcher Cox said, it's the best uh, offensive line that they'll see this season. And um, they, they have that going for them. They have those... Uh, those two running backs and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt going for them. Now the Eagles have done a good job stopping running backs uh, in the run game this year. They have been horrible trying to stop uh, quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends whenever those guys have run with it on sort of misdirections, jet sweeps, etc. Uh, but they've done a good job against running backs. Still, a hard matchup for them with with Hunt and Chubb. And then defensively, Miles Garrett is awesome, dude. Like he's got he's got nine point five sacks so far this year. Uh, he's got four force fumbles. I just happened to take a look at all those sacks, and like none of them are cheapies. Like he is absolutely slaughtering, uh, mostly left tackles. Uh, he does. He did have a couple sacks against the Cowboys. I guess they put him against um, uh, Terrence Steele in that game. They wanted to exploit that matchup, and then he had a sack or two from from the. I think just one actually. Uh, from the inside, I forget what game that was against, but he is absolutely destroying offensive linemen. Like they are not cheap statistical sacks. Like they are all very well earned, and he does a great job of getting the ball out when he does get to the quarterback. So I would imagine he they're going to put him up against JP all day, and I fear for the type of game that JP may be in for in this one. So like I think the Browns are just a better team, and those three things that I need: the the very good offensive line, 
the one-two running back combo and Miles Garrett are far more than what the Eagles have going for them. And I have the, I have the Browns winning this game. What's the score? Uh, I'm going to go 26-20 to 20 hmm. in a game that's not that close. All right. So, yeah, you covered some of this. I don't think the Browns are as good as their 6-3 and three record suggests when you look at that point differential. And also, they're only 21st in DVOA. So, I don't think they're a good team. And that's kind of where my – it's not even optimism in the Eagles. It's not really any kind of belief in them as I just think the Browns are not terrible, but they're not quite as good, you know, as we look at with that 6-3 and three record. So, you know, I think the Eagles are coming off this terrible loss, and I think there, there could be some kind of bounce back uh, to some extent. I look at Baker Mayfield. He's been inconsistent this year. Uh, he has a 90 passer rating, and it ranks 23rd among quarterbacks. Uh, Jim Schwartz's run defense ranks 13th. We always know they're good at stopping running backs, as he will remind you. Not so much the quarterbacks and wide receivers, uh, but in terms of like the Browns' identity, which really earlier in the season, especially when they were having success, was about running the ball and limiting the times Baker Mayfield had to throw. And I think the Eagles kind of have, they might have what it takes to to stop that and kind of pull out a win here. I, I had the Eagles losing to the Giants in my prediction coming out of the bye. And I said, I think they will win one of the next two games. And I had them winning the Browns game. So I'm kind of sticking with that. Okay. Um, and again, is not anything to do with like a vote of confidence in the Eagles. The Eagles are <laughs> 22nd in point differential, as you pointed out. And they are 29th now in DVOA. Only the Bengals, the Broncos, and the New York football Jets are worse than the Eagles right now in DVOA. Great place to be when you spend the second most money in the NFL on your roster when you're just a total garbage team. So, uh, yeah, so I think going, they You're win. going gut over logic. Yep. Well, also because it would be frustrating, too. Like, it'd be, it'd be nice. <laughs> yes. It'd be a, like, a release if they win or if they just lose and we can kind of just all admit this team is bad and, like, and they can stop actually pretending to contend in the NFC East and have that be meaningful. Uh, it would be better if that happened so it won't happen and in spite of everyone they will win this game it'll be something like some weird score i'm gonna say like 19 to 16 yeah and people will be posting like the michael corleone like uh, just when i think i'm out they pull back <laughs> um the one thing i think the one way i think they can win this game is if baker mayfield is just bad like there's no there's yep. no excuse for baker mayfield not tearing it up this year because of that offensive line because of those two running backs and they have good receivers and Jarvis Landry previously before he tore his ACL. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and Richard Higgins is okay. Um, Austin Hooper, they signed in free agency. There's really no excuse for him to not be tearing it up this year. And he's not had a very good season. So maybe they get a bad game out of Baker right. and, uh, and, and you know, they can make some plays on defense. So that's their best chance of winning this game, in my opinion. All righty. Now that everyone's excited for this week's game, <laughs> um, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, we were very negative on this podcast. They're rightfully so. Uh, mm. But, uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, as far as final thoughts go, mm, yeah, as you said, buy a house, cowards. Come on. What are you doing? Buy a house. Get some righteous felon craft jerky by using discount code BGN15. Go check out Liberty Ballers for... Uh, your Sixers draft coverage on the SB Nation side. You can check out uh, Kyle Newbeck. At Kyle Voice. Newbeck, uh, too, yeah. Kills uh, it. For a lot of good – what were you going to say, Jimmy? I said he kills it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of good Sixers coverage out there. Sixers much more – I can't believe I'm saying this because I was at a point with them where I was very checked out on them. But, you know, they bring in Daryl Morey. Uh, they hooked right. me back in, Jimmy. 
the Marcus Corleone <laughs> thing applies there because I, yes. I'm back in uh, on the Sixers. I think they had a nice draft there. Tyrese Maxey, a couple other guys here. I still think they have, there's work to be done. I'm not they're hardly a championship contender yet, but they're they're heading in the right direction. Al Horford is gone, so so and glad to family. see that. His family's I, gone too. Yes, they are. That is important <laughs> as well. I the thing though that makes me jealous and relevant to the Eagles here, Jimmy, is just like. I look at these smart front offices and I'm like, I just wish the Eagles were a smart front office. I really do. Like, it's just, it's more fun to cover. And it's because it's like, because the fans care more too. And it's just like, it's nice to have trust in them. You know, like when Daryl Morey makes a move, you're like, all right, like we know he's good. So even if this move, like, you know how to feel about it right away, typically. And that doesn't mean every move is going to work out and it's perfect, but you see the process behind it and you're like, oh yeah, I can see this. This makes sense. It feels like it's been forever since the Eagles did that. Something yeah. where like, it was a legitimately smart. Like you know, move at you the know time. they made a trade, but you don't know what the trade is yet. Like, uh-huh. and, but like, you either have the feeling, okay, well, I trust that they did a good deal, uh, or more recently in the Eagles' case, oh God, what they do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I wish it wasn't like that. And that's my <laughs> final take to end the podcast here on BGN Radio, episode one fifty six. We will be back here next week. To talk about the Eagles, I guess, or maybe not, depending on how they play. We'll see. But <laughs> yes. in any case, we'll be here. Make sure you check out the you know, Kiss and Solak show, everything else we have here on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Uh, John Solness has an interview with Dick Vermeil, Jimmy, up on the ah. feed. So go check that out. It's also an article on BleedingGreenNation.com. So uh, if you want to get away from the current team and look back at the past, then you can do that as well. But that'll be it for this episode, and we will we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N.